What's going on, guys? It is Tuesday. Sorry to interrupt podcast here. Brought to you by SorrySports.com. As always, Monday rundown on a Tuesday this week. We jumped right in and talked about college football. Started with Alabama, of course, which was a blowout. Not a very fun game, but I'm sure Sean is happy about that. Then we went a little bit deeper into Alabama and college football as a whole, talking about if it's even fun, if it's even worth it. All those questions that I'm sure everybody else around the world is asking, and I guess you can imagine how I felt about that. After that, we recapped the rest of the games from last week, and we went into the preview for next week. We also went over the first and second um, college football committee poll and broke down how Sean and I felt about it. After that, we jumped into a little NBA talk, talked about the what we liked from our local teams, the teams that we're fans of, and then the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference, and we obviously talked a little bit about Jimmy Butler. Finally, we did some MLB League news. Um, the Yankees signed two players, and then there is a lot of rumors swarming around. And we will be back tomorrow night with our NFL podcast, and we will talk about last week and this week up and coming. Follow us on Twitter at Sorry Sports. Follow us on Instagram, Sorry underscore Sports. And shoot us an email, SorrySports at Yahoo.com. I will be checking that later tonight. And enjoy the pod. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Sorry to Interrupt podcast. It is Tuesday. Monday We're doing rundown. our Monday rundown a day late this week. That's all good. Um, we're going to get into it, starting with college football this week, uh, go over the second week of college football rankings, proceed through uh, talking about the games at hand, and then going on to the games this coming week. Tom, what's up, man? How are you this week? What's going on, man? Hopefully they can release the new... I don't know if you just told me they just put they it just out. They just released it. Cool. So we'll have week one and two to go off of. Uh, that'll that'll be pretty interesting. But why don't we jump right in? So I was all excited. You got me really hyped for this Alabama game last week. Did you cancel your plans for Saturday? Canceled all of my plans for Saturday. Got home and literally watched maybe the second touchdown that Tua threw. And that was it for me. I was done. I don't play Because I have no dog in the fight. I have no horse in the race, whatever other cliche you want to use. Another so. animal and another event. <laughs> exactly. So I don't really need to watch the whole game. So I was really wanted to see an interesting game, and I didn't get that at all. No. I'm getting tired of this. I, Alabama, they need, to, they need to start investigating or something and give some Fugazi recruiting violation. I'm getting tired of this non-competitiveness. <laughs> you know what? They, they got nobody to blame other than other teams. The... The situation at hand is Alabama for the last 10 years has had one of the consistently the best defenses, one of the best offensive lines, one of the best running games. Gotcha. Now they have yep. the greatest quarterback in the game too playing All right, at let's a Heisman move on. level. Keep it in your and pants. it's insane. It's absolutely insane. And this is a game that I thought was going to be really cool. Not, not you know, a, a three-point game, but I thought this was going to be a very competitive game late. Because LSU's played very well this year, their defense has been great. They're going to they're starting two two players in the secondary who are going to be top ten picks in the NFL draft this year. They have a third who who they rotate in, who's also projected to be a pretty high pick uh, as teams look for defensive help early in the draft in uh, in May. I think the biggest thing I, I took away from this game is Burrow, the quarterback from LSU, 
is just another one of the classic LSU quarterbacks. You may, if he has to make plays against the stout defense, he can't do it. And there was no running game to be found. He couldn't make passes. He looked completely deer in headlights look. And on the other side, Tua had by far his worst game that he's had. And that still meant he threw for two touchdowns, ran for another one, 44 yards, in and out of the trainer's tent working on that knee. He must still be fine. It's it's amazing what they do, man. It's amazing what they do. There's got to be other teams. I I don't know. I don't know how anybody uh, beats this team. All right, I've had just about enough. Another ten seconds, and I was literally just gonna kill myself. I don't think hang myself with this wire. D- do you disagree? No, but it, okay. It's, there's a little tinge of like sucking them off to it. Everybody has this. Is this game is ridiculous, dude? Yeah, but you, you're you a fan, can't be so it's that good. You can't be that good. Like that's the thing. Like in where other teams are getting great talent across the board. You have your Clemsons, who I think is the only team that can really give them a shot. Yeah. For do you sure. think are you look up and down this this top ten? Do you think that Notre Dame would give them a game? No, do you think the that Michigan team, would give them a game? The only team that it would even come close would be Clemson and Trevor Lawrence would have to literally like play the best game of his life and after that game was played, if they somehow beat Notre Dame the kid might as well sit out next year because he would already be dubbed as the number one overall pick and the best quarterback prospect So ever. let me ask you a question because we can get into this before we talk about the rankings and how some of the other teams did. Is this good or bad for college football? Take your bias away from it. Do you think this is good or bad for both the fan of college football and the casual fan of college football? I think it's bad for college football because I, I'll give you a perfect casual fan's perspective because that is exactly what I am. Because I don't watch other games because I don't think they matter. Like every college basketball game, in my opinion, matters to me because you could end up in the tournament and you could have a team like the what team made it last year? Was it Loyola Marymount? Yeah. Made it to the final four or whoever it was. Loyola Chicago went to the final four. Loyola Chicago went to the final four. You could have a team like Michigan who's. Not a perennial powerhouse, but they're they're definitely. Well, one it's of a the different it's a different system. You have sixty four teams that are playing in a tournament. I agree with you. you get but four teams into a playoff. Every single game is interesting because it's like this team could make some noise in the tournament. Whereas this one, why why would I watch Kentucky Georgia? Why? What's the implications there? One team's going to go to the Cotton Bowl and the other team's going to go to the Dr Pepper Bowl. Sick. It doesn't matter to me. The only two teams I want to see is Clemson and, and Alabama because those are the only ones that are going to give anybody a fighting chance. Yeah, and, and I mean the playoff is interesting because it's one game and Alabama can lose to a team. I think the first year that they it lost ever, to Ohio State. Yeah, the, was that the second year that it ever happened? Or Jameis was the last BCS Bowl? It was the first year because Ohio State won the first ever college football <clears throat> yeah, playoff. And, yeah, and I remember that. And Alabama had gotten upset in the game before that, and then Ohio State beat Oregon. Right. Right. Yep. Yeah. Ohio see, State I am a big Bama time college football fan. Yeah. I have a great memory, as yep. you can see. More than memory yeah. than the fan, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know, but I know a lot about sports. I'm great. Um, but aside from that, I'm not watching every Saturday cause I don't care. You're not going to bring me in on a game where I, where I could care less about. Like, I, I know it's a different system, but you can even look up and down the Mac. You can watch Iona games and say, Hey, this team might make it to the tournament and they could have a chance to be the next Loyola Chicago. Right. Do you know what I mean? Well, where I it's think like, that's the, am I going to watch a UCF game? No, well, see, I not, think that's even if where, they go undefeated, they're not going to make it. I think that's where the committee and other, and, and the BCS was heading that way when Boise State was kind of in the middle of their run and they were undefeated for a few years and they had already had 
you know, that win against Oklahoma in their back pocket showing that they can play with a, you know, a power five top team. But they lost to that game to Kaepernick in Nevada and they lost all chance of getting in the BCS. Yeah. And college football playoff, I know the committee changes every year and there seems to be different criteria. I know when we get to March, we talk about that a lot as well. Um, but I think also the biggest thing is, you know, teams like UCF are not going to get a chance, you know, and that's the worst part because no yeah. matter how good they are and they seem to be, you're not going to get somebody saying, all right, UCF could beat Ohio State. UCF could beat Oklahoma. UCF can beat Alabama. UCF can beat Clemson. And who knows? I, you know, like just the eye test, probably not. But the worst part is is when you only have a four-team playoff, you're yeah. not going to have a chance. And, and you that, can't go a lot further than that because these are student athletes and you can't, you know, during their breaks and stuff, you can't keep pulling them out of classes no, and all stop. that. You see, the thing that kills me is Because if you have an eight to 12-team playoff then you have to configure that, and that takes you another month into the season. I think eight teams would be perfect, to be honest with you. I, I That's just me personally, but I think but you're still going to have the better. same thing because you well, know what they're going to do? They're going to say, okay, fine. Then UCF is ranked 10th, undefeated in the AAC, two loss. But can Notre Dame beat Alabama? Right. Let's say you have a two-loss Notre Dame team in there or a one-loss Notre Dame team in there. Well, they're undefeated. Num- right no, now, no, right? of course now. But oh, I'm saying okay. if you project to eight, let's say they're on, they're at the eight spot and they've lost one game. Okay, I don't think they're they have any better shot at beating Alabama. Yeah. But their name brand and the fact that they play better, quote unquote, competition is something that the committee yeah. will say. Yeah, well, we'll give them a so chance. Then, and if they lose by yeah. 45, so I guess it is what it is. What you're saying is it either it's either the name brand versus giving the undefeated team their due. Right at that point, and that's kind of how it's, it's always been. And it's it's brutal. I just it's it's a combination of that and just how different football is from basketball. Like, I mean, again, I'm going to refer back to Loyola Chicago. On any given night, a basketball team can beat uh, can beat a more talented team with discipline. I mean, you saw the way they ran their sets. You saw how they full court press everybody, and you can beat a team on any given night. Football, man, you're when that talent level comes up. I mean, you see it in the league. The Browns were less talented than everybody else. That's why they went 0-16. Right. Very rarely do you see the less talented football team win out. Yeah, and occasionally they get that one win. Especially when it's Alabama, when when they're you know, your best player would be a third stringer on Alabama when it comes to UCF. Like these guys on, on UCF that go in the high rounds, it's like, okay, sick. 15 Alabama players have gone before your first guy. And I think that's the crazy part too. And there's not really a way you can change it because you're going to look at the dominance. Let's just use the example of college basketball, but flip it to the women's side. How many times have we heard the argument? UConn women's basketball is bad for women's college basketball. And I hate that argument for the most part because it's not like they have an unfair advantage no, of recruiting. Anybody could recruit like that. They want to go there, and generally, the best you know female high school students and athletes, they watch a UConn practice and say, "Let's, let's get this student I, I wanna, thing out of there. I want to play. I want to play get the here." Word out of there, but, but you know, the that's, best, the that's best the best thing. Athletes, they, that's yeah. what they say. I want to play here because I have a better chance of developing. You know, for for women basketball players, if they want to go to the WNBA, if they want to get as much national TV games as as they can get, they want to go deep into the tournament, get the exposure. For for college football, it's the same thing. Yeah, I might not be the best player on my team, but I'm going to win two or three national championships maybe get a Heisman in my second or third year, 
and I'm going to be a top 10 draft pick in three or four years because I'm playing with the best players and against the best competition every single day at practice. And that's and there's nothing you can do to replicate that. I think Clemson's close. I think Ohio State has their years. You always get one of these teams. You know, Michigan's on a really good year. You see it every time, but to have the discrepancy level of a team. It's a tough spot to be in. It, it's, and it's, there's no and I, solving the issue. I totally issue. understand. I mean, you and I have our back and forth, and, and I know you're not a big college football guy, and that's fine. I, I don't blame you for it. There's a lot of people who are on the periphery. There's people who love it and are getting tired of it. But you don't have a solution. You're, somebody's going to have to come in there no. and upset and or steal recruits away from Saban. No, I mean, you know what's going to happen. And even then is you're getting – I mean, you know – Tua was behind a guy that went to a national title, two national title games, and that guy doesn't even start now. And he's like, yeah, I still want to go to Alabama, knowing full well that Jalen Hurts was there. I guess the only thing in comparison is you're seeing guys like for Georgia where you're seeing um, – you know, Jake Fromm go when Eason was there. And then the and now Justin Fromm Fields, Fields yeah. there now while Fromm is there. And Same thing Trevor with Lawrence going when Kelly Bryant was there. And and now there's a guy behind Trevor Lawrence who's who's very highly thought of. And it just is on down the line. Now obviously they can you change if they Ohio want State to. Too, Ohio State them too. Right. So but it seems like and I can't even say they get the best, but the coaches do the best job of, of producing these players. And I think the SEC is down. I definitely think the SEC is down, but also a lot of great coaches. Why are they all going to the Big Ten? Why are they all going to the Pac-12? Why are they all going to the Big 12? They don't want to they Saban. don't want to deal with Nick Saban kicking their asses every year. You know, Tennessee is a good program with a storied history. They couldn't find a head coach because nobody wants to go there and have to play Nick Saban every year. Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm just, I gave you my point of view, and I really, I agree with you. I don't think there's really any way to fix it, but it's tough getting those casual fans to watch college football. There's so many diehard fans, which is why I think you'll never see this sport die off. No, never. It's as good now as it ever has been. Yeah, but getting a casual fan involved, it's tough when knowing what I know and having the sports knowledge that I know, I turn on a game, and I don't, unless I have money riding on it, I don't even care. Yeah. Why would I care? And that's the worst part, too, because there were some compelling games that we're going to get to in one second down the slate this weekend. And, you you know, the, the those are all appetizers to the entree that was supposed to be Alabama LSU in Baton Rouge at night, one versus three in the same conference. And it was a bloodbath. Yeah. And, that's, yeah. and, and if that's what you're trying to tell people, this is what you're dedicating your Saturday to, you have to watch this game. And it's like, I thought this was supposed to be the third best team. Yeah, so did I, you know? Yeah. So really, it's like, wake me up. And I, you know that I feel, I love the NBA, but I feel that somewhat about the NBA too. As a, as a Net fan, I'm trying to get excited about a team that has four yeah, wins. Yeah, but the point with the NBA is that, like, at, at the very least, like, the team that you're rooting, there's more parity in the league because, I mean, there's 16 teams that make the playoffs. It's like... In each in each conference. Well, there's eight in each oh, conference. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. Yep, yep, yep. And, and at least you could see your team make the playoffs. And then even even last year, like, I know the Warriors won the finals, and we were saying that all year. But at, at the very least, the Rockets pushed them to seven. Right. You know, has, has anybody pushed um, Alabama in the last three years to the equivalent of a seven game? Not Clemson, really. Clemson, maybe? Clemson, Clemson beat them. 
Clemson, Clemson could have beaten them the year before, but remember that takes you to get to a title game. But I mean, if you're there was really about, nothing in the regular season. If you're season. talking about Alabama as a professional organization, you're talking about the greatest dynasty ever. Right. Literally. Yep. Better than anything in the United States or any soccer team out in wherever or or whatever or whatever sport you want to talk about. They're the greatest dynasty ever since Nick Saban has taken over. And you want to know the one thing that's going to stop it? It's either this: it's a Nick Saban dying. Right. Or it's Nick Saban going to do, take another shot at the NFL. Which he's not going to do. And he's too old now to do that. And he <laughs> said he's not doing it. So I think that oh, we're just going to have to we're just gonna have to roll with this and see what happens. But roll tide. <laughs> roll tide. <laughs> we'll get down the slate now. Um, so we'll go to. That was me insulting. I, I get it. I, yeah, it's really? Insane. That wasn't sincere? I was, <laughs> I was very surprised by that, Tom. I thought you were diehard about that. And I that. said we would go five minutes on Alabama, and we went 16. There you go. Well, it was more college football. No, as you're right. Yeah. It was not dissecting every minute of that game. Um, so we talked about that. Notre Dame is making a big push now to get and stay in the college football playoff. They went on the road and beat a pretty good Northwestern team still playing for something in that Big Ten West. They beat him on the if, road 31-21. Book, man, yeah, what absolutely. a great move that, that Brian Kelly made. This guy, is, this guy is great, and you made a good point because if Northwestern won and went on a run, they could have gotten at least to that Big Ten championship game and played an opponent either basically in Ohio State or in Michigan. And that is not a lost season by any means for them. I mean, I don't think they win that game, but that that's a big deal, especially in a down, what is it, Big Ten West? Yeah, they're, they're, the Big they're, Ten West. I mean, yeah, amazingly, they're, they're still in it because uh, Wisconsin keeps losing and there's really nobody else. Yeah. Um, Notre Dame's a good team, man. I can't take anything away from them. They've answered every test. They've got um, USC and Syracuse coming up um, in the next couple weeks. They'll get blown up by Georgia, and then Georgia will get blown up by Alabama subsequently. Well, there you go. Um, talking about blowing out, dude. What Michigan, what Michigan did to Penn State was put everybody wow. on notice and say, "Yeah, we're f- we're fucking for real." Yeah, no, this Michigan team's exciting. I think Harbaugh's got him playing the way he wants to play football, which is just crazy defense and just run the ball down your throat. Um, which is weird because that's really not how he played at Stanford when he had. I mean, he did have Andrew Luck, or even in the NFL when he was designing offenses for guys like Colin Kaepernick and whatnot. But I think that's like his, true at his core. He wants to hand the ball off to the running back and him get eight yards every single play. Yeah, and he's got the guys on the offensive line that can do that, including their fullback. Um, and I tell you what, man, I know that game was in Ann Arbor, and Penn State's been down. They've lost some tough games, but that was a bloodbath. That was never close. Second bloodbath of the weekend. And I'm opinion. pretty sure wow. that. I'm pretty sure that Michigan went in and they wanted to put everybody on notice and say, we're for real. We're not, we, we belong in the college football playoff because Ohio state did not have a good showing against Nebraska. They won by five points and they easily, if it wasn't Nebraska could have lost that game on at home. Dwayne Haskins did not play well. No. A lot of sloppy turnovers and bad opportunities and Nebraska. I don't know if that was Nebraska that was just treating that as their big bowl game and they had to win. Frost had him playing okay. Um, quarterback Martinez made a couple of plays early. Had, had a lead even into the third quarter. Ohio State won, but that was not impressive, and that's going to show when we when we hit our, um, our week two polls. All right, so next up is Georgia beating your second favorite team this year, 
the University of Kentucky, and they won 34 to 17. I didn't watch a minute of this game, but I asked you about it, and you said that the score does not reflect the game. It wasn't close. 34 17. Um, Kentucky scored late. They couldn't really move the ball at all against Georgia, and I got to say that was the best Jake Fromm's looked in a long time. Him and the running back Swift played really well last two weeks i think from has probably and i didn't watch this game but i saw the highlights pulled back that starter job from uh what is fields. Fields. Yeah, I don't yeah, think absolutely. Fields. I, and they're not even really putting fields in packages anymore. So this is Fromm's team, at least for the time being. Yep. West Virginia pulls a win out of their ass against number 17 Texas in Austin, 42-41. to 41. Hell of a throw and hell of a catch to end the game. That was pretty great. Greer, yeah. Greer wants to stay alive in that Heisman race. I think and he, that's his play right there. You know, they always say the Heisman has one play. Well, yep. there's your play for him, so and let's will, see. Yeah, and I will say it's not totally out of the realm. Him and Kyler Murray – you know they both can make a run at the Heisman if they both keep playing. Are great. you going to go down to DC and do a little campaign trail for Tua though? I will not because <laughs> I I do think too is that uh, Tua might not play in some of these like cupcake games yeah. coming up and and if he has a, you know a, a bad showing or he doesn't play they're going to give it to guys like Greer or Murray who are both deserving as far as stats are concerned. Um, we talked about Ohio State. They barely won, which was I, I'm this is great. Yeah, I, I love this. We we both hate, regardless of how much of a fan of college football you are, we both agree we do not like Ohio State. I should have watched. I, I don't even want to watch college football anymore. I just want to watch the Urban Meyer presser after the game. That's all I need to see nowadays. <laughs> that's that's more exciting than some of the competition, right? Yeah, definitely. O- Oklahoma won a Big Twelve shootout in Lubbock. It was uh, coincidentally at the same the same week that Mayfield and Mahomes played each other the next day, and they were doing a lot of recount from uh, the week the two years before when they met in in Lubbock, and they accounted yeah, for over fun. over twelve hundred yards together. I actually did watch that game, but. All that matters is Mahomes came out on top in the game that really mattered, right. which was the well, NFL game. And we'll get to that tomorrow for sure. Oklahoma won this version of this shootout, though, 51-46. Kyler Murray went for 360 and three touchdowns. I know he threw two picks as well, but I, I like watching this kid play football. I I know he's going to play baseball, but I'm telling you, if I were him, I would think twice because uh, he's playing great, and I don't know if he's a product of the Big 12 and he's just another one I of mean, those quarterbacks, but he's he's fun to watch, man. If you can't Russell, argue that. If you're Russell Wilson and and you get drafted in like the 16th round or whatever. Yeah, he was number one. Fair, but this dude was a top five pick by the Oakland A's, and right. that's a little bit different than – you know, you're getting a bigger bag when you get drafted oh, at number time. one. You and, know? A lo- and probably a lot more security as far as you know, your body yeah. being preserved I, as well. I, it would be fun to see him play quarterback. But, again, there's only 32 quarterback spots. There's a lot more outfield positions out there for No you. doubt. No doubt. And then, finally, Washington State. God, it's the Pac-12 du jour that we have to talk about every week. They have they have a stranglehold on it right now. They didn't play great. It was like they, a B league, dude. It really is bad. It's not it good. really is bad. Um, good to see him though, and I really like uh, Mike Leach, the head coach up there. You gotta so. love Mike Leach, dude. He's crazy. He is he is absolutely. He's the one crazy. who put that guy in the fucking tool shed. Yeah, in, uh, in who was that? Tech. Yeah, it was um, one of the reporters' sons. It, no, yeah, you're right. It was um, the guy who played at Texas uh, or at SMU. His son. I, I have no idea. Yeah, Craig Craig James. His son. Glad you yeah, got that guy. That was there. that was funny. That was yeah. That was like all right, classic. <laughs> this guy's out of his mind. Uh, but now he's he has this Washington State team playing really well, and they're uh, they're leading the the Pac-12 and making a case for a playoff bid. To recap, college football because I know this is driving Tom nuts. 
we will finish up with the uh, college football rankings that just. I don't got mind talking about this. Two. This shit actually matters. I'm sick. Of, I don't want to talk about number nine when they don't even matter. So they let's don't talk matter. about the top four. Although, as you can see, it, it can be fluid um, because Alabama is obviously at one. Clemson's obviously at two. LSU's gone now. They are no longer Goodbye. at number three. Well, they're a two-loss team. I mean, what do you expect? Right. Who moved up to number three though is Notre Dame. They've played very well, and they've, they're deserving. They're undefeated, and they've answered every test. And moving into that number four slot is Michigan. Yeah. Michigan is very deserving, especially after the show they put on this weekend. I want to know what I really hope, and I, I don't think it'll ever happen, but I'll give you my one dream. I want somehow Georgia to stay out of this and fall out of it completely. I'd like Notre Dame to somehow move up to number two. I don't know how it would happen. And then you get a... Number two, no, wait, wait, sorry, Th- this would never happen. Never mind. So you, come on, you've two, already walked down this rabbit four, hole. You got to tell it's, us. It's one, four, and two, three play each other, right? That yeah. would make sense. Mm-hmm. So then I want Notre Dame to be number two, okay, and I want Michigan to be number three, and you want Clemson at four, and I want Clemson at four because I want a rematch of that first week or whatever this, whatever the week that Notre Dame beat Michigan. Okay. That, that would be my dream. That would be a lot of fun. Took me a while to get there. I had it to do did. a lot of thinking. Yeah. I thought it's your late. sports acting was so smart, man. It's <laughs> late, dude. I got there. <laughs> you did. But Clemson, it, the, the thing is, though, Clemson will never fall to four because the, the ACC is so weak that if Clemson loses, they're out. The they're they're going to be done. Yeah. The only way, well, I don't know. I, I think it'd be hard to keep a one-loss a one Clemson team out. But well, I, if Georgia keeps rolling, though. Yeah, I think the only way is that that could happen is if Georgia beats Alabama in the SEC title game. That was already clinched by both teams. Uh, so now we're just waiting for a month down the road. If Georgia beats Alabama, Alabama stays in it, right? Even though they have the worst schedule out of all of these teams. You yeah, think? they'll, they'll stay. Because they have the weakest schedule by far. And the crazy thing is, is that, you know... It's it's again it's a it's a buy and I feel the same way about Clemson. I think there's a lot of teams. You know, Florida State is so bad, and some of those other Fugazi ACC teams are not Virginia nearly Tech, what we whatever. think. Virginia Tech, North North Carolina State, Duke, Duke. Yeah, you just go on down the line. Miami, you know, frauds. They're not that, that was, good. That was a bad pick. But you know, clearly, like how I think LSU is still a great, is still a very good team. But obviously, you lose by 29 at home. Well, without it's scoring. that and losing twice right. is tough. And I think Georgia already had their really horrible loss to to LSU. LSU. Yep. Um, but, you know, I think the only way it could happen is if, if Clemson really doesn't play well down the stretch and they win a couple of whatever games. And, and they, then they eventually lose. And they lose in the ACC championship game or they just put a kind of – a non-impressive showing out there and win by like six or seven against whoever they're going to be playing, whether it be Duke or whomever. And then people look and say, okay, well, Notre Dame's still undefeated. They're in. Well, that's not going to happen. So we Michigan, they're there. Well, Cause the winner of the Michigan Ohio state game, if it stays status quo for the next few weeks and those, and those two play each other, it's in Columbus. That game's going to decide because obviously if Ohio state loses, they're done. And if Michigan loses, even though you know one loss was to Notre Dame, they're out. That's two losses. You're not yeah. going to keep them in. So it's really it's kind of fluid. I, I think Notre Dame has the best chance to to stay in of all the teams because they're not going to have to play a championship game. And I think sometimes that can be held against you. Yeah, I mean, really, it doesn't matter because I think the top two are pretty much locked in where they are. They're going to be there all year. I think the other two, it's really interesting. Georgia's right there. 
Washington State's right there. Yeah, Washington State has to do a lot of damage, though. They've got. They would have to run the table, and they'd have to have a couple twenty-five point wins. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And then, and even then, you know, it might not happen. There, there is fluidity right now within those last two spots, and I think it can change a lot in the committee's eyes as to how the next couple weeks shake out. But we know it's going to be Clemson and Alabama round four. Yep. (laughs) So Cavs and Warriors, same old shit. Yep. All right, so uh, we have talked a lot of college football. I need to take a shower after this. I feel disgusting. It's going to be college basketball soon, man. As a matter of fact, it already Can't is wait. tonight. Can't so. wait, bro. St. John's already won. But let's move on to the week 11 preview here. Alabama at Mississippi State. Why did you put this on the notes? Who cares that they're ranked? This is a 30-point win by Alabama. It's a top 10 team. you got to put them in there. Okay, so, fine. That's it. Let's move on. Michigan State at Ohio State. This one is a little more interesting. Ohio State is now ranked number 10, I believe you told me earlier. So this is a game that I find really interesting because I think Michigan State is that team that plays when they're – I think they were in the college football playoff once or twice. Twice. Wow. They're pretty good. Um, And and I think the years that they're off like this, they like to play upset. You know, I feel like they've done that a lot in their past. This is just off like vague memory, but I think that this could be a really interesting game. And I think Ohio State, after having a tough week last week, but getting the win should definitely be on upset alert. Well, you'd be right because they do that a lot. And D'Antonio is a really good coach. And even when they're having a down year, that's not a that's not a walkover game. And they like they would love to end Ohio State season. They tried to do it against Michigan a couple weeks ago in that sloppy game in East Lansing. They they lost by seven. They would love to do what they could to knock off Ohio State. Unfortunately, it's in Columbus where I think that they lose any little bit of advantage. But I tell you, if Ohio State looks like they did against Nebraska, Michigan State will win that game because Michigan State's better than Nebraska. Nope, that ought to be fun. I might actually watch that game or a little bit of it. Rooting hard against OSU. Moving on to the next game, we have 10 Washington State. We found Tom's motive. There we go. We have 10 Washington State going up to Colorado. Um, You're feeling an upset on this one? I'm not, but I think that anything this year has taught me about the Pac-12 and you as well, being forced into having to talk about it, is just when you think one of these teams emerges, Locks it in, yeah. they, they go down. Yeah. Um, I think they not only have to win, but I think they have to win big because Washington went over and killed them, killed Colorado. And Washington, I don't think, is nearly as good as Washington State is. Remember, those two teams have the big rivalry game the last week of the year when all the rivalry games happen. Um, So Washington's basically done. Washington state's got to stay up and alive before that rivalry game. And they, they're going to have to go to Colorado and they're going to have to win handedly. I think that they could, their offense is clicking. I know they had kind of a, a let me down game this past week against Cal. It didn't seem like they were playing, clicking on all cylinders, but the offense has overall looked very good. And uh, I think they take this game. All right, so the next game up on the docket is number three, Notre Dame at Florida State. Again, I know it's a top 10 team and we got to talk about it. Although you only have six teams here, I'm a little confused. Some of the games don't, don't play. Oh, okay, whatever. Go. I'm not going <laughs> to fight with you. This is this is not my thing. Uh, Notre Dame is going to win that game by a lot. What do you think? I think so, but I could also see this game being close late and then having one of those you know, two touchdowns in the last 10 minutes and, and going away. Okay. Florida, you know, those teams, when they're home, I know they're not really a quote-unquote rivalry game. They're more just for the names of the programs. But Florida State has just gotten 
destroyed the last few years. And that coach, uh, Willie Taggart, is really on the hot seat. I, this is only his first year. I don't know how long he's going to last. A lot of injuries, poor performances, kind of a lack of inspiration. I think that Notre Dame, this is going to be their last big game because when they when Florida State plays Florida, nobody really cares about the outcome of that game. There's not going to be any big implications. Uh, they would love to knock off Notre Dame here, and the game is in Tallahassee. But, no, I don't think it's going to be that close. All right, next game up, Oklahoma State at Oklahoma. Bedlam, 2018. Yep, last year it was at Oklahoma State. I remember that game. That was game a was lot nuts. Of fun. What did they yeah. score, 800 points yeah, in that game? Yeah, Ma- Mason like that? Rudolph and, and, and uh, Baker went crazy in that game. I think this one, although Oklahoma State has been playing really well lately, Yep. I, I like to think that, especially at home, Oklahoma is probably going to win this game by a lot. I think Oklahoma is going to win this game. You're probably looking about like 17 to 21 points, something like that. I think their oh, defense okay. is a little bit better. I, I think their defense is a little bit better. No, you think I, they're going to win it by 17? Yeah. I thought you were saying the score was 17. No, 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 no. Like, no. This, is, this is like a 45 to 28 game or okay. something like that. Yeah, and especially because... Although Murray's really good, Oklahoma State doesn't really have as developed as a quarterback as they did last time with No, Rudolph, and that so. guy who played really well, I'm, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on his name right now, but who played really well against Texas, you know, that was one of those really easy... Fluke week. Yeah, you're home and trying to knock off Texas, and you did that. Nice upset week. I, I don't know. This, this is a home field game, though, I think, in Oklahoma, in Norman. Uh, they win this version of it again. Yeah. So this is the last game we're going to talk about, and this game actually interests me. I'm gonna, I'm probably gonna try and watch this one. Number two, Clemson travels to Boston to face Boston College. I think this is a game where Clemson could get upset if they're not ready to go. Yes, I totally agree. It's a defensive team against, you know, there's a hard-nosed defensive team in Boston College against an all-offense team in Clemson. What I want to see by this game, it's probably is, gonna be cold too. Yeah, is is Boston College another one of these fraud ACC teams that gets ranked in the top 25 and kind of slowly but surely matriculates their way down? Or are they are they legit? They're going to get their opportunity to show it this week. I'm interested in this game too because Clemson has not had an easy year. They could have lost very easily to Texas A&M, who's had some big games. The Syracuse game was really close. And they've had a couple other sprinkled in there where they haven't played great and then went aw- and then ran away late. Um, this game could really th- this could, could throw a whole monkey wrench into the college yeah. football rankings. But I don't think Boston I do College expect wins Clemson by to any win. means, but I think they definitely keep the game close. I do too. I think this has all those makings for one of those fluke games where you know it's a, you're you're on upset alert for sure. In a in a frigid Boston, which I would imagine, and let's see if Trevor Lawrence can can play really well out there. I'm not sure, but I think that they have too much talent to lose this game. Yeah, absolutely. So that pretty much wraps it up for the week of college football. Um, we will be back again next week. Uh, uh, news to me, I guess I don't watch enough ESPN to see the commercials. They release the rankings every week now, so that that's cool. Every I Tuesday, guess. yeah. That's great. Uh, more college football, everybody. I'm sure everybody in the New York area is excited. Uh, you're but such a piece of shit, dude. Let's move you're on to the, college basketball. Listen, dude, we're we're nationwide. We're a global podcast. Of course, I'm going to talk about college football. We gotta we gotta please every single fan that we have. We're gonna force you to do it. Exactly. We have forced you almost through an say, entire season to do say, this. Oh, you're gonna force me now? Yeah, this because is, this is week this, eleven. This has been great. Exactly. We're forcing Tom out of his out of his comfort zone to talk college football. I'm doing a good damn good job too. 
Give yeah. me a little credit. Well, especially for not only somebody who didn't know much about it, but also was very reluctant about having to talk about it. Wow. You're holding I clearly your know a good amount. I mean, <laughs> whatever. Um, all right. So let's move on to a sport that I actually enjoy watching, and that is the NBA. Despite being a Knicks fan. <laughs> well, the Knicks have been playing really well lately. If you want to lead off with that, fine. So they played a double overtime game last night boneheaded foul by Emmanuel Moutier. But you know what? I want them to lose those kind of games. And my guy, Trier, went off again last night, making clutch bucket after clutch bucket. They're playing really good defense. And I just like how this team's playing right now. I mean, you're seeing Knox just came back too, by the way. You're seeing production from a couple of people that you need to see production from, rather. You're you're getting it from Trier. You're getting it from Mitchell Robinson. You're you're going to hopefully soon be getting it from Knox on a consistent basis. But you're also getting it from guys who are very valuable trade chips. Oh, yeah. Hardaway's played really well. Cantor had a 20-20-plus game last night. Cantor, you can see why you'd hate to have him playing defense in late in games. Oh, he's a turnstile. But... I tell you what, man, hard rebound after hard rebound, and he finds a way to put the ball in the basket, and that intensity, I got to imagine some playoff teams would really like to have him on the floor. And Hardaway is is having one of the best years shooting-wise of his career. Well, everybody relax because he did this last year. He got off to a hot start averaging like 28 a game, and then he fell off real quick. You know what that tells you? Sell high on them now. Well, anybody, yeah, I don't Lakers, know. anybody that It's going to be tough, them. man. It's going to be tough. It's going to be easier to trade Cantor, but that contract is still good for like three years, and that's a big cap hit. But you never know. I mean, other people have been talking about trading him as well. I've been pounding the table to trade those two since Cantor opted into his contract and since they signed Tim Hardaway Jr. to that other contract. But we'll see how that one goes. they got other trade chips on the team. Courtney Lee right now, who's in a suit on the sidelines. But when he gets healthy, hopefully they figure out how to trade him. But back to the more important things. The coaching and the young guys, man, it is really, really exciting. This is what you wanted to see. This is what Nick fans want to see. Listen, you can tell Nick fans. Nick fans are smart. You can tell Nick fans that you're ter- that you're building for the future. You're trying to allocate picks. You're trying to get rid of dead cap space. You're trying to play the young guys. I would have liked to see Nidalkina on the floor a little bit last night. Well, you can't, honestly, games. and that's why... They have DeAndre, whatever I mean, his name Moutier is. Moutier was on the floor basically well, the Moutier had a great night. game last night. He did, night, but I still and, don't and think he's, he's a he's a building block of the I don't future. honestly, man, and this is the only reason why I'm arguing with you, I don't see Nilakina as that either at this point. After yeah. watching him this year, I know he's gotten stronger. He looks like he got fatter, to be honest with you, not stronger, but maybe that is muscle. I don't know. Um, I'm not going to be one to argue, but... Uh, he just doesn't look like a like a fitness aficionado. Tom's yes, not gonna exactly. I am not gonna argue, but um, body composition. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I I just don't think that he's a, he's a piece on this team. The guy can't make a wide open ten foot jump shot. Yeah, I, I don't see that as being a counterpiece. Listen, he could be a good defender off the bench on another team, but you use the number seven overall pick on this guy. I I think you trade him while he's hot. That's how I feel. And, you know, you you can go back and listen to our podcast from the beginning, you know, our playoff preview uh, or even in the end of last year. I was really optimistic about this guy, and I always mention him in the future. But watching these starting these games to start the season, he's averaging like six points a game. Yeah, I think, he's, on. I think he's one of these guys that, you know, the Nick fans didn't want. 
they, he got drafted by a president of basketball operations who was subsequently fired. Yeah, we two don't have days to go later. too much into detail. And it's, but I think it's one of those like blinders where it's like, okay, we want him to be good because we used a lottery pick on him. Yeah. And it's like, okay, he's doing this and you're kind of blinding yourself to the fact that you're like looking at everything he does well when not paying attention to the fact that maybe he's just not a very good player already. No. And so listen, I will be the first guy. It's interesting to get your take because from an outside guy who's not a Nick fan, I would want that guy on the floor all the time. But I, would I trust be the Fizdale. First... He's probably saying you don't deserve to be on well, the floor, Well, when you're right? playing five on four on offense, it's really difficult. The guy's passing every time he touches the ball like it's a hot potato. And I know he's a good defender, and I know he's already one of the best perimeter defenders, but it's really difficult to keep a guy on the floor when you need to score baskets to win a, to win a basketball game. And, and I, I will be the first one to come on here and tell you I was dead wrong. If he figures out, if he gets a mid-range jump shot, and then three years from now he turns it into a three-point J, and he's your number two guard, or he's even a decent guy off the bench. He but was right a project now, anyway, man, and yeah, everybody but, knew that he was not going to step into the NBA and be in one or two years. But I haven't seen any improvement in year two. Yeah, and you all. have a different regime now who didn't have any part of drafting him, have yeah. no ties to him, and if, and, I, and, and I'm you see sure, that with the New York Giants and other teams, and I'm just comparing this GM to GM. People have no problem if they don't draft the guy getting rid of them right. at all. And no I, matter how I much also talent. Think, I also think that you you acknowledge the fact that regardless of whether he was a reach or the wrong pick, he was still, at the end of the day, the stats will show he's a lottery player. Well, so that's how I you're feel. You're going to hope that you can develop him, but I trust Fizdale. He's seeing this guy every day in practice. And yep. being somebody who's not tied to him, I don't think he's doing this out of spite. I think he's saying, I'm going to put the guys on the floor who I think are playing with the best chance to let us see what the future might hold. And Moutier had a really good game yesterday, not taking anything away from him, but hearing Nick fans scream about how much they don't like Moutier and how much they want to see Needle Kina, I kind of wanted to get your take on it because that seems to me is why is he not on the floor, but you're explaining it pretty well. From your argument, I agree with you, but I just think Needle Kina, honestly, at this point, has lost to me. Yep. he's done, And it's really early in the season and even earlier in his career to be saying that, but you can't. When you're trying to get a team, get a young team to be competitive, you can't have a negative on offense, and he's literally a minus. He's right. not even a he's not even a neutral. So, but honestly, to go back to a positive, I love what Trier's doing. I love what Mitchell Robinson's doing. Although he's not playing crunch time minutes because I don't think he can hit a free throw, but that will come quicker than a yeah, that's fine. Than a Nilakina jump shot will come, <laughs> especially when you're trying to win a game and. Um, Cantor's playing out of his mind with the 2020 game. First 2020 game off of the bench since Charles Barkley in in 1986. Wow, so that's yeah, crazy. A little bit of history for you there. Um, but yeah, this team's a lot of fun. You know, I love I, my history. There you go. But I've never been. I haven't been happier as a Knicks fan in a while, to be honest with you. And that's sad to say for a team that's going to be in the lottery this year. But it's exactly what you can ask for out of this team. And Trier is a huge pickup, and I'm just really happy about him. Yeah, I mean, you're you're, you're glowing talking about him. Like wow, you can't keep a smile away, and I know you're very proud of yourself that you picked him to be so good. And <laughs> it's not like you took a flyer on a guy that had no business being there. It was some other issues, which is what kept him no, from being there. He was undrafted, there. and I just right. said he's a guy to watch out for. But why don't we move on to the Brooklyn Nets? Because I've talked enough about the New York Knicks, who are trash. Yeah, so now let's talk about a team that's a little less trashy, but still trash nonetheless. Yes. I don't know if you saw that game on Sunday between all the football and everything, but what the Nets did to the 76ers was just de- demolition. I watched a little I bit was, of it. I was, I was glowing about that game. And as a Net fan, I was just waiting for the other shoe to drop where they would start getting ice cold and, 
and the Sixers would come in and start knocking down shots and playing like one of the best teams in the East, which I believe still that they are. They were on the second part of a back-to-back, and it didn't seem like they really had any Sixers interest in panic button, though? No, I'm not ready to do that. I think that they're still kind of finding their way. It didn't look to me like they had any interest in playing that game. I think they all wanted to be watching football. And Side note like, on the Sixers, did you see him beat, embarrass your boy from UConn, Drummond, Andre Drummond? Yeah. And first of all, out of all my boys from UConn, Drummond's not one of them. He played one year, and he was not that great. So uh, <laughs> He was supposed but, to be one of the premier centers in the league, and Embiid literally took him to school. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and Embiid's a stud, man. But, you know, I think it... just it, goes to show how much better he is on both sides of the ball. Right. I, I watched that net game, and to me, it was the same nets, which I'm not actually using in a negative connotation. I'm actually using in a positive, is they play freaking hard every single game. And Levert had 20 points in the first half. Russell played great. Dinwiddie's on a tear. And Hollis Jefferson's giving him a little spark back. I mean, this team's very athletic. They caused a lot of turnovers. I think part of it was the Nets defense, which has gotten better, but I think also a good amount of it was just a really terrible game played by the Sixers. Regardless, that's a top three team in the division in the in the conference by the time the year's end, probably. At least top four. And the Nets embarrassed them. And that's yep. a win that you can kind of I don't care how it was done. I don't care what the situation was. You just beat a name brand team on your home floor and embarrassed mm-hmm. them. And that was and that was pretty cool to see. Um, they're playing well. The night two nights before, they were right there against the Rockets. They had them beat. Rockets uh, have been until, a tough start uh, until the very end. And to me, that was very much reminiscent of the Pelicans game from last week and a couple other games this year where when they play the premier teams, the Warriors, who they only lost two by four, where it's like, you know, you're just not good enough to win some of these games. Yeah, and, and that's fine. That's fine, But yeah. telling you, man, they bring the energy at home. They could be fighting for that eighth seed. I, they're right now at the eighth seed as we speak in the in this uh, standings. I like that was a very encouraging game. I, I After they lost to the Rockets, I was like, ah, they're going to head out on this West Coast trip you know, three and seven and, uh, or three and six rather. And and that was a great performance. I was happy to see that. So who knows what's going to happen, but I think both of us, I think we're, we're seeing what we want to from both of our teams. Definitely. I think we said that at the beginning of the year, I wanted to see the Knicks be competent, but lose close games like they've been doing and really get coached up by Fisdale, but lose. And you wanted to see the Nets get an eight seed. That was like best case scenario for you. And as of right now, how can we complain? The Nets are the eighth seed, and the Net and the Knicks are losing close games that they're competitive in, even with the loss of obviously Porzingis and um, Kevin, uh, Knox. Kevin Knox being out uh, with just a sprained ankle. So can't really complain there. Just one more Eastern Conference thing. I think we have to give them their due before we move over to the West. Toronto Raptors nine and one to start the season. Their best start. Kawhi Leonard, although he's been sitting out just because, you know, he still does have that whatever hip injury or whatever he had. Kyle Lowry's turning back the clock. He's really looked good. And OG Ananobi is really taking a step forward. They blitzed the Lakers in L.A. the other night without Kawhi. And, yeah, man, you were right about them. They they look fantastic. And I think the Bucs look great, too. I just expected that when you get a guy in there who knows how to win like Kawhi Leonard, although I don't think he knows how to talk. He definitely knows how to win. Um, and I think, you know, it's the opposite with DeRozan. He goes, the Spurs are playing really well, too, without DeJounte Murray. And, and he gets into a winning environment. You bring a player from a winning environment to Toronto, and it helps out both teams, Toronto, to their best record ever. But looking at the Lakers, I mean, drama, drama. And, and you put in the notes that um, 
Walton did get endorsed by Magic Johnson, but I mean, we've seen this before. How long does that shit last? With I LeBron don't know, James? and that's really next week he could be I fired. Th- I think Magic endorsed him, but it's all—it's not going to even matter. I think it's going to matter what LeBron wants if he walks into. Remember, although, although Magic, into, Magic is a—I guess you would call him a president and as a GM. If Magic says something, LeBron is obviously going to respect it a lot more than if some guy who's never played an NBA game no, or I agree, a but high I, school basketball game like some David Griffin but says But I also him. think that Magic respects LeBron enough where if it was just any other player, it wouldn't matter. But if it's LeBron and he's saying, listen, I think we could play better, you know, who knows? I, I, I don't know if Walton is the – all I know is that Walton is not the coach long-term for this team, whether it's the rest of the you year. Hmm. Yeah, so – No, no, no. I, I'm being serious. I wasn't even sarcasm. I, I think I, that – I don't think that he's going to I mean, listen, I, I did say last week that Walton may be the next coach fired after um, Ty Lu, but I think that this guy, he's got that Warriors um, – you know, attitude behind him, and he's got oh, that tenure. He, I don't think he's a bad coach. I and I don't think really anybody that fell to the to LeBron James has been really a horrible coach. I think really what it is is Tyloo was pretty bad. Listen, man, I he's got I a ring though. What can I say? Yeah, I was just gonna say. You know what? It's so hard to tell because you also are, you know, trying to feed two masters. You're trying to maybe deal magical with, coach. You're, you know, you're trying to deal with LeBron, and then you're also so you're trading everything that you have. And then once you're once LeBron leaves you, you have nothing left. So I can't really blame Ty Lue there. And no, I think that no, was a right. team that's a team with a bunch of veterans that just they don't want to be playing on a terrible team. Yeah, then, but speaking of veterans, they did pick up a guy in Tyson Chandler. I thought that was a good pick for them. I, I agree too, because that guy's got a championship pedigree. He's won a ring in Dallas uh, back in two thousand eleven against LeBron. Yep. And I think he will be a this good is such backup a center. Weird team this is such a weird cast of characters on this team and lebron's interesting dude it looks like like he's kind of just half there half like a sitcom listen i will still pound the table and say they won't finish below a four seed lebron drags his team and probably right yeah and and lonzo ball's been playing a little bit better recently and brandon ingham is clearly their second best player on the team and i think this team has moves that are that still are going to be made i still think they have a lot of moves left in the tank uh, I've predicted Dame Lillard going to the Lakers, maybe something like that. Who knows? Maybe any team at this point, I wouldn't be shocked if I saw that a, a Bleacher Report thing that somebody's involved in talks with Jimmy Butler as the guy is talking about sitting out and all this stuff. Right. Which we'll talk about next, but why don't well, we'll wrap it up on the Lakers. LeBron's coasting, and this team is still figuring it out. And, and you saw this with the early Heat teams, and you even saw this with the Cavs when LeBron came back. It doesn't get off to an easy start. You have to – because you're not adjusting to the coach. You're not adjusting to his system. You're adjusting to LeBron. Right. And, and it's difficult for these players to do that, and I don't think any of these guys have ever had to do that before. No, I, though they definitely haven't had to deal with LeBron, and we talked about this last week on our Rundown podcast when we speculated of whether people really love playing with him or not, or if is he as desirable to want to go join as he might have been, you know, say four or five years ago. I think that another situation is is that LeBron might have really known that this team is not meant to win and he's not going to put his body on the line just there yet speculation of to that go out there and offseason. give it his all. And I think, you know, you said you spoke to it last week and even prior to that was this is bigger than basketball with the reason he's out in L.A. I think winning is important to him. I think he wants to win. I think especially for a franchise like the Lakers to further his legacy. 
but it's not the primary focus for him, I don't think. And if, especially if they're not playing great, yeah, he'll show up and he'll have great stats because it's LeBron James and he can do that playing 60%. But I don't think that he has nearly as much – I don't think he's playing with nearly as much intensity as he did. And actually, some of those Heat teams, especially before they won – they were struggling because they couldn't find the chemistry. I don't think it was because of effort or hustle. Remember, LeBron there, he hadn't won yet, so he was going all out. Here he has his rings. He's where he wants to be, and I think everybody in the basketball world knows that this team's not going to beat the Warriors and probably even the Rockets um, to to get to the finals or win the finals. And he's just going to kind of go with the flow. And if things get better, you might see him pick up his intensity a little bit. And if not, it's going to be a year where he just averages, you know, 24 and 12 and averages, you know, six or seven assists a game. And he plays his maybe his 35, 40 minutes and and very non-laboriously. And he just moves on and tries to find that second piece where next year is where he, he goes all out again. Yeah, that, that could very well be. But I'm still gonna say what i've said since the pre since the prediction that lebron has too much pride and that he'll drag this team to listen i picked him to be sixth i i'm obviously if i had to bet i would bet a top four seed because yeah. there's lebron Gun to your James. head you're saying four right seed. but i life. just looked at this cast of characters on this team and i said when we were going up and down the west i mean i think the nuggets are better than the lakers i think the i think the um i think that the jazz are better than the lakers yeah the and Nuggets right now, great. Jamal Murray went for 50 last and night. And even so. without, um, excuse me, uh, I'm forgetting his name, the poor kid that tore his ACL out in uh, San Antonio. Um, DeJounte Murray. Without DeJounte Murray, they're playing really well. So yeah. I, I don't I don't know. I, I'm not 100% sold on the Lakers, and I think some other teams have caught us by surprise, but it's November, early November. Yeah, the NBA's been alive for You can't judge LeBron like James. You can't judge LeBron James until late January into February for me. Yeah, for sure. I wouldn't even judge him until late June. But um, let's let's move on to the last team. We mentioned Jimmy Butler. So Jimmy Butler came out with the Timberwolves, and there was a rumor that he would set out games and that he wouldn't. And then he said uh, it wasn't true. But then Can he I said he had to quick protect comment his real body. Quick. I and I'm I, I am fascinated by this. So, but just quick sidebar: I'm so fucking sick and tired of Jimmy Butler. I really am so tired. Well, of him. he's going to he be is, a Brooklyn Nets. He's so not. I don't think the Nets it. want anything part of him, dude. This is this guy. Can you sabotage a situation any more than what he's done? Like, tell me. Like, you're you mm. looking from your perspective, GM Tom. Put on the hat. No, it's tough. He's killing himself, man. What are I you think, doing? I think every situation where he's had to like. Not even turn it around completely, but just like make it a little bit better. He's made it way worse. Oh, like, like would you touch every him? move I don't he's made? Go anywhere is wrong. near this guy. No, it's, it's tough because it's like okay, you wanted out of Chicago, you got out of there to get in a better winning situation with a top fifteen player in Carl Anthony Towns and a, a lottery pick who has a chance to be an All Star every season. And Anthony Wiggins, not to. Uh, is a- Andrew, Andrew Wiggins. Wiggins. Sorry. Wow. Sorry. You had like Carl Anthony Towns and, yeah. and sometimes, Andrew Wiggins. Sometimes that happens. But then not to mention you really you're, are bad with names. you're reunited with your favorite coach that you've ever had. And now it's not even a year later and you're bitching. Like, are you serious? And it's not like he's in a bad situation. It's been a little bit over a it's year. It's not Fine. a bad situation. You play in the West. You understand the cards you've been dealt and, and understanding that, you know, you're not getting past the Warriors. But 
I mean, he's clowning that team. You're not getting past he's the Warriors, clowning but his again, teammates. like you're just entering. You probably got four years left in your prime. How is that a Carl bad situation? Anthony Towns to hasn't be even in. hit his prime, and Andrew Wiggins hasn't even discovered that he's good at basketball yet. So no, it's not, it's a it's a great situation overall. You're you're in Minnesota where there's not much else going on besides the Vikings and I guess the Twins. You're considered a god there, and you're gonna throw it all away. I mean, listen, if he comes out and just says I wanted to live in Miami, it's really warm there. I'd be like, okay, fine. You did. You but you know what? Then then sign there in the in free agency. Sign there. You, yeah. you you're not here for five more years. You're you're not playing on the New York Knicks. You're not playing on the Sacramento Kings. You're playing on the Minnesota Timberwolves, which is a decent team. Don't put the Knicks in the same conversation as the, the Kings. That's fucked up. No, it's not. It's true. <laughs> it's, but very it's, fucked fair. Up. it's very but, fair and warranted. But no, I agree with you. But why, you know, this saga is going to go on for the entire season so, until like, they trade him. And I'm tired of it, too. So he, why don't we talk he, about Derrick Rose? I, that was a fun. And that was nice. not and I coincidentally, I don't believe, definitely not coincidence, that it was in a game that, that uh, Butler didn't play in. That was great, and, and the teammates he, rallying around. He turned him. back the clock. They were going nuts. Fuck Jimmy, Jimmy was Butler. on the Get him out of there. <laughs> Jimmy was on the bench crying. No, I want Jimmy on the pod. So stop doing that shit. We've already we've already eliminated Matt Patricia. That was John your Gruden, doing. <laughs> John Gruden, <laughs> both and, of our and doing. Someone else. I forgot who else it was, but it was Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, that was my he, doing. Okay, fine. Well. I just I, I think that this Jimmy Butler thing is going to go on for a while, and we've literally talked it to death. So that's enough about that. The Derrick Rose thing was really nice. It was a nice thing to see him turning back the clock, getting 50 points. I think he's going to be – you know, there was there was a time last year when he was on the Knicks and everything that you would have thought he was going to retire. Two years ago, yeah. Two years ago he was on the Knicks. Who was he on last year? Minnesota. Minnesota last year as well. Didn't where, play as much, but – Yeah, but – He's really he's really started to play well, and I don't think he's going to be an MVP type player or even an All Star type player. But he can emerge with these 50, 40, 30 point games once a month, and that, if that helps you win, that's amazing. And I'm just glad he's figured it out. Last thing I will say about the T Wolves and Towns has been playing amazing as he always does. Andrew Wiggins has not gotten any better since his rookie year. He is he's not one move, dude. I literally watched almost all of that Warriors Minnesota Timberwolves game. And it was the weirdest team to watch because Jimmy Butler was playing with the second unit for like half the game, but he ends up with 30 points somehow. Well, he's great. And Wiggins Wiggins has one move, whether it's his left hand or his right hand, where he spins to the other hand, where the, whatever, whatever hand he dribbles in with, and does a fadeaway every single time. And he hits it one out of five times. Yeah. Thanks for that. And maybe Jim maybe Jimmy Butler sees that and says, I don't want to I don't want to play with this guy. He doesn't have what it takes well, to be great. Well, then tell them to trade him. That's but, what I would do. Yeah, but behind the scenes. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think if anybody has more equity, it's going to be Butler. But I mean, well, I, they just invested a lot of money in in Wiggins. In Wiggins so I, guess I know that was a bad contract, but they, they invested a lot of money. Of I'll tell you one thing: the Bulls made out very well in that trade. Because oh yeah, Levine looks great. Markkanen's really solid player. And Chris Dunn has and yet Chris to come Dunn, back. Yeah, and Chris Dunn is a very nice player. So. Mm-hmm. I, they they made out like bandits with that trade, and then they probably are seeing this and laughing, knowing that this is exactly who Jimmy Butler I mean, is. If you look at it, the the last couple superstar trades you have, um, I mean, I guess Oklahoma City did pretty well with Paul George, a lot better than Minnesota has with Jimmy Butler. You talking about Both? Indiana with Paul George? Indiana, yeah. yeah. You look at the last two where the two players are trying to force themselves out. Right. I'm gonna put Kyrie Irving somewhere else because that was terrible. 
um, the the teams that made the trade made out like bandits on both of them. You get Victor Oladipo and Sabonis. Sabonis is averaging well over a double double this year. Victor Oladipo was, I think, second team All NBA last yeah, year for the stud. Indiana Pacers. You make that trade ten out of ten times, no doubt. And then to get a guy like Zach Levine, Chris Dunn, and Laurie Markkinen from, and those guys are all. Young, very talented and players. And for a guy who didn't want to be with your for team For a guy anymore. who was going to walk anyways. Right. Both of these trades were amazing. And kudos to the Chicago and the um, Indiana Pacers GM. But I think that about wraps it up for the NBA. We've we've talked about pretty much every all the uh, newsworthy things in the league. So why don't we jump into one more thing. Speaking of Magic Johnson, we have a few things going on in the MLB. I guess we'll get the hot stove started early, being that the season ended, what, a week ago? Yeah, it feels like it, right? Well, like, the was GM, it like a week ago, two, a week and a half ago? Yeah, it was uh it was last not, Monday or last Sunday. Sunday, yeah. So the GM meetings are going on right now out in California. I didn't even know those existed. Yep. I thought it was the winter meetings and that was No, it. this is where a lot of moves before happen kind of they materialize talks do and then the winter meetings is generally when they finish up. But activity does happen here. Um, this is where the Aaron Hicks trade happened. A couple other trades have gone down uh, at the GM meetings, but the groundwork is usually laid for the big moves. Um, the Yankees did a little housekeeping. They declined the option on Gardner, which we saw coming, but then they turned right around and signed him to a one-year deal. Which you said was going to happen. $5 million dollar I'm deal. assuming you're happy with that. You know what? It doesn't kill me. I mean, I think that they look at Gardner and they value him for what he is, and, I, and I'm sure Gardner took it with the understanding is he's going to have a diminished role. Cashman came out and said yesterday that he will have the ability to fight for the starting job in left field. So obviously that tells you that – you know, if they get 100 games from him next year, that's great. You know, he's not going to play every day. He's no longer going to be your 150-game guy. But I think they value him a lot in that clubhouse, and they value him a lot as a defender. And whatever he gives you offensively, you know, you live with. And then they re-signed CC Sabathia today, a one-year, $8 million deal without incentives. Cashman has been adamant about making several moves on the pitching market, one of which was CC. It turned right around and got this deal done. CC wanted to be back. The Yankees wanted him back. Um, and I'm glad that they got that done. And, uh, you know, two guys who I know you've kind of scoffed at the clubhouse feel, but clearly these are things that Cashman and the Yankee brass really care about. And there were other teams, notably the Astros and A's, that had been in touch with CC's agent, uh, especially after today's news of Lance McCullers Jr. being having to go for Tommy John and out all of next year. And CC said, no, I got an unfinished business in New York. He has said this is going to be his last year. Yankees value him. He values them. And he wants to be back. Like what are that. your thoughts on those two moves? I like the Gardner deal. I like that they turned down the option and got him for really cheap. And again, maybe he can be a, um, a holding place or somewhat of a backup to Clint Frazier. That's really what you have to hope for, especially when you said to me earlier today that the Yankees are officially announced that they're not going after Bryce Harper. And they're lukewarm on Machado. I'll believe that when I see it. Yeah. Um, I hope they go after Machado. I know you're not as hot on him as I am right now. Well, but I, I, I love him as a player, obviously. And from just an from just a statistic, a locker room guy, he's, he's an asshole. But right. Still, I and mean, I, I don't. And I, know I don't look you into don't that care. shit as much. But when it comes to CC, I hope it's one of those things where everybody's a little bit extra fired up. If that is a thing, to where it's like, all right, this is his last year. Let's get another title for him. Yeah. Whatever gets you to be the last team standing and you want to say it's for CC. Great. Yeah. Then I, fine. I agree. And I think that Cashman look and, and the Steinbrenner brass looked at 
looked at CC and Gardner in the same in the same light. You know, if you get good first halves out of them and they fizzle out, they you know CC in the Yankees' mind should not be starting game three or four of a of a division series, and Gardner should not be hitting lead off in the first game of a division series, right? But they're guys who their experience, their 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 fire, their clubhouse presence, and their ability to still play parts of their game. Is CC going to give you seven innings? No, but he can give you five really quality innings. Yeah. Is Gardner going to play 150 games? No, but if you play him 100 to 110, I think that's a guy who's going to get on base and he's going to play great defense. I mean, he was a gold glove finalist this year uh, in left field. And I think that he's he's going to contribute a lot to it to the team. And, and whether a, a Frazier emerges, I think, is their best-case scenario. I think Stanton's going to play a lot of left field this year. But you're going to get what you get out of both of them in their final seasons with the team, and I think that's what you want. A couple other newsworthy uh, bits on the Yankees before we just finish up with some other um, around-the-league league stuff. It's been pitching-focused. Have, um, they, have they had any talks of that Sonny Gray? They so Cashman has not only said have they had talks, he has said I'm trading him like adamantly. He's like it's not. He basically I'm paraphrasing, but he said it's not working in Which New York. Which is a terrible move as a GM if you're trying to get prospects for him. But I think he just wants to get no, the guy he, the hell I out think, of there. No, I I he has said, and actually some of the insiders who you know I know you and I trust like wrote like. Um, Ken Rosenthal and um, Morosi and Heyman have all said that they've actually gotten pretty good bites on him. A lot of people think that it's just a New York thing. And Cashman said, he's like, whoever he goes to, they're going to get the pitcher hit from the A's. But he's like, we're not going to try to, you know, push a boulder up a mountain. Like, it's not, it's clearly not working here. It's not going to work here. And we're going to not give him away, but we're going to find a team. I think I think a team like the Brewers, it makes a lot of sense. They take reclamation projects. I think pitch him in Milwaukee in the National League, he'll be good. Oh, I think he'd be a stud out there, to be and, honest. And I think he's going to be one of those guys that you look up next year and he's like 11-4 and four with like a 3.5. And it's like, yeah, but you know what? I don't feel bad about do those that guys. Here, so. You're not going to do that here and it's no big deal. Um, the priority is Hap. They've also said they really want Hap back. So, not surprisingly, actually, the Blue Jays have turned right around and said they're out, they're aggressively pursuing him as well. And he said those are probably the two teams he'd go to. He seems to be a guy who's loyal. I like their chances, but I like the Yankee chances because if you're trying to win, that's where you want to be. Yeah, you can be loyal and win too, you know. And then so. a couple of news last on the pitching. They've said that they love Corbin, which we know. Kershaw is off the market, but the trade market now has He's been hot. very interesting. Keuchel and James Paxton. Well, Keuchel's a free agent, so you don't have to worry about True. him. It's it's Paxton, but before that, it's Kluber and Carrasco, who the Indians That's have what made I meant. available. Kluber, Keuchel, same yeah. shit. Not at all, but <laughs> <laughs> who would you rather? I mean, I think Kluber's at the top. Kluber's postseason, I'm not going to lie to you, has scared me. He has I been like better really Kluber. bad in the playoffs. I really do. But Kluber, I think Kluber and Scherzer have been the best pitchers in baseball I in agree the last with you, but I, I five years. I like Paxton, reason being, he's got way less miles on his arm and he's a lot younger. He is, but he also comes with a pretty bad injury history. He's been hurt a lot. Um, I like him too. I think if you could find a way to get him, the Mariners are seem to be in sell mode and Take they're willing advantage. to listen. I think you'd have to still give up a nice piece. I don't see how you can get Kluber seems is one of those guys, maybe Carrasco a little bit less, but Kluber's one of those guys who when when they say that he's being made available, I think that means we're you're giving us either Glaber Torres or Miguel Andujar and you're starting there. And if not, you have no deal. And and I don't blame him. You're trading a guy, one of the best 
three pitchers in the league every yeah, year. Yeah, I think the price is incredibly high for Kluber. As well as But looking be. at Paxton, who's more enticing to me because I don't think you'd have to give up as much, what do you think the package looks like for somebody like that? You're probably looking at two upper echelon pitching prospects. You know, maybe a Sheffield or an Adams and probably a little Isaac or Herman. And I'm not going to be mad if they give and, up any of those names. No, and then my final one, and I know it hasn't really been talked about yet, but I, I have to imagine that Cashman's doing his due diligence, is Madison Bumgarner. And I'm now in and the... You're so into I'm him. Now I'm over. In, I, I, I'm, I, I don't know how you can be. I, I don't know how you because can I be. Because I think he's past, well past his prime, and I think he would cost way too much from the San Francisco Giants who are looking for a GM and you know when a team gets a brand new GM that whoever they get as their GM is going to be a hard ass when it comes to trade and try and really win the deal. All the I first know deal he makes. is that there's guys who when you get to the postseason that you want on the mound. And I love Corey Kluber and I think that he has the ability to turn it right around and pitch. I want if you're games. if you're going to give up big time prospects though and I don't really don't know how big time these guys are. It could be Cashman blowing smoke. Again, like he's done his entire career, I want a guy that you're going to have on your team in like five years. Well, Bumgarner's under control for two more years after this. I, well, I want a guy that you're going to making but nothing. I, but what I said is, you're, I want a guy that you're going to want on your team. I think Bumgarner's well past his prime. He's got a lot of innings under his belt, I, especially with the postseason pitch. Not to mention the massive injury that he just had again, on his pitching arm. Yeah, well, that, and again, though, it's nothing structural. I mean, he fell off a fucking bike. Like, he fell off a mountain bike. Yeah, but it took a year. It took a year. I think it was a dirt bike, but who cares what yeah, it was? Who cares what it was? Yeah. But again, it took, I, like, almost a year for him to come back, and I just think that he's the type of pitcher where you're going to have – he's going to look for that big money contract next. But he's not in any, he's not in any way to do that. He doesn't. He doesn't have the ability to get that done until after the 2021 season. I agree with you, but I think a guy like Paxton, who's under team control for longer as well as younger, I would much rather a guy where. I mean, listen. You again. You have to see what the market is for a guy like Baumgartner. If it's if if they get a trade where it's like two, three guys that you know who they are, but I've never I heard of the guys. I'd I'm, be happy. I am much more willing now, and I think Cashman is too. After seeing the Red Sox win again and having the Red Sox gone through the Yankees to to get there, I don't think that they are in the market of having the ability to say another couple of guys who who could be and who could be great. They've done this with Pineda, Evaldi. They've done this with Gray. And I like Paxton. I like him a lot. He's had great numbers when on the mound. He's been hurt a lot. But is he a guy that if you get, it's... What happened to Paxton? I thought he was this great lefty, and now he's yeah. now he's pitching to a four plus ERA. Well, that's every big game I saw him Corbin. pitching in the regular season, I was very unimpressed. The Yankees smacked him around twice this year, and one of those was when he was in the middle of winning like eight games in a row. That's so, what worries me about Corbin as and well, and that's fair. But the only thing with Corbin is, is the only thing he cost you is is money, and it's not our money. You know, with the with the prospects, that's a little bit different. And the thing with Bumgarner is he's a proven postseason gem. And in the last few years, he actually has not pitched that much because the Giants haven't made the playoffs, and he hasn't been on True. the mound, and but he doesn't have time. I just John. don't want to see a guy like Andahar go for him. I, oh, it's not going to take him. I think it would it would probably take is you're probably looking at Floreal, and I think you can replace outfielders. I love Floreal, but. They're clearly making moves now that say we don't really know about. I think Aaron Hicks gets extended, dude. You you got right field covered. You're probably gonna have center field covered, and you can find I another. I don't see outfielder. why they wouldn't extend Hicks, man. Right. He's been great. Yeah, and he's and gotten better pitching, every year. The jury's out on guys. Well, I think Yankee fans. You know, we talk about 
you know, Nick fans being blinded and, and Jet fans being blinded and even Giant fans to an extent of wanting to see these these great young draft picks produce and, and maybe kind of overcoming the flaws. I think the Yankee fans are just as bad at that with, oh, pitching, with, with starting and, pitching. And, uh, and, and Sheffield, Sheffield, I think, could be great, but I think he could also be a bum. And if you have the opportunity to go get one of the best postseason pitchers of our generation who's under team control, making no money, and is still only 29 years old, I think you've got to find a way to try to get that done as long as it doesn't involve having to trade a Torres or an Andujar. I think it's going to come down to who the GM is and if they sign a Bryce Harper or somebody like that and show that, once again, they're all in. But if they're willing to tear it down, I'm telling you, he is the guy I would make the move for because Kershaw is a guy who's he's hurt, but he's hurt with chronic back issues. Now, we don't mm-hmm. have to worry about that now. He signed a three-year extension. He got Thank his God. extra money. I did money. not want him on I didn't want to touch him. And to everybody that said, I, you know, I would take Corbin simply if the trade market is not as frugal as we think it might be with these rumors. I would take him because he's the best pitcher on the market. You're just throwing money at Why him. Why not he's take not, them both? He's not right. He's not going to cost you prospects. You don't have a young. You don't have a young arm that's like penciled in to this to the starting rotation like you did Sheffield a few years ago. Right. So you kind of have to piece it together the, this year coming up. And wouldn't you rather piece it together with a guy like Corbin and then maybe you go out and get a guy like Bumgarner who you're starting to convince me on as long as you're not spending crazy, crazy prospects on him and, and get some well, good it's gonna guys take, in there? Yeah, it's going to take it's prospects, saying, but it's not going to take anybody who's going to be – it's not going to take a, a Torres or an Andujar. Well, you never get. know. Maybe the Indians say, oh, our window's closing. Uh, I think the Twins are going to be better this year, although I think that would be crazy. Right. Their biggest thing is money, and we have saw that in the late 90s and even in the late 2000s. Remember 07 when they had to trade Sabathia and then Cliff Lee because yeah. they couldn't afford to keep those guys. They're starting to hit that now. They're going to have to extend Lindor. They are already extended Ramirez they're gonna have to look at guys and they might look at Kluber who might be great but he's pitched a lot of innings as well yeah I'd like to see I mean listen if the Yankees it would be a miracle if the Yankees could go out and get a Bumgarner and a Kluber oh it would be incredible I don't I don't think they would be able to trade for both but I think they'd be able to trade for one and then sign the other and I think they I think Hap is a Cashman said he wants multiple arms after the CC deal I think he wants to go into spring training with six legitimate major league pitchers, not not five and maybe a six. They're not four and maybe a Herman or Low Isaac. I think he wants Severino, Tanaka. He want he's got CC, and I think he wants a Hap. I think he wants a Bumgarner, Kluber, Paxton type, and I think he wants Corbin too. And he wants to say. We're going to fucking go for it. I think the trade market's what's interesting because I think he'd like to spend money on re-signing guys like Britton and Robertson. I agree with you. And then I think, honestly, if he can go out and get a guy like Kluber, that's going to cost you an Andahar. But then if he can put in Machado right, right there. That, right. If they, I, make, if they make the trade if they make the trade for Kluber or if they make a trade for Paxton and includes Andahar, I think immediately about it would face never, and they would sign Machado. It would never take Andahar to get Paxton. You don't oh, well okay I mean listen we've gone an hour and 13 on this pod I don't know I think Paxton was a pretty good pitcher I, I don't, I don't know disagree what it would cost with you him, but but he's not DeGrom he's not Kluber and he's not even Bumgarner so he's not going to take an Andujar um finally around the league Kershaw um, signed a Kershaw three-year signed. deal with the Dodgers that was just a money grab good for him I'm glad you got more money but what else going on? What else besides that? Nothing much. It's really right? just the 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 Mariners saying they're willing to tear, they're willing to listen and kind of tear it down, and and I think the Indians starting to look at their situation and say, wow, this is this is interesting. A couple managerial notes. 
Dave Roberts got extended four years, so the puppeteers can now control the puppet again. You know how I feel about Roberts. I think he's a good manager for what the team asks him to do. Two straight World Series appearances I don't think is bad. And then Chris Woodward left the Dodgers uh, third base job to take over the Rangers. The Rangers have had talent. I don't know what they're going to do. Are they trying to? Are they trying to sell off pieces? Are they going to try to build around guys like Gall- Joey Gallo and some of their other young players, Nomar Mazzara? I don't know what they're doing, but Chris Woodward, I think he was he was one of those names for the Yankee job last year early. It's a it's a good opportunity for him. I know the Reds hired a new manager as well. So a couple shakeups going on, and and it's going to start getting really fun in the next month because even between the GM and the winter meetings is usually when things really heat up. Absolutely. Even though baseball is over, we def- have, definitely have a lot to talk about when it comes to sports. But maybe we should go a little bit less on baseball, but who cares? Well, I mean, it is what I it mean, is. It, there's news. We're going to talk about that's it. That's the thing. You can't, you can't deny news because it's not baseball season. You yeah. know? I mean, how much NBA did we talk over the summertime? No, you're, de- you're definitely right, but sports is is this definitely a good time of year to have sports although it's not i don't think it's as great as two weeks ago when you had the world series and all that good no. stuff but the college so, basketball started now absolutely that's been fun yes so we will be back tomorrow to discuss the nfl almost went 4-0 this week and my sperm bank pick of the week did not cash in again it is a laughing joke but fuck it i'm gonna keep it going i don't care what anybody has to say but we Tom will has said see you guys piece. tomorrow night See you tomorrow.